Welcome to C3 Church Tagra. You're about to hear a message from Luke Boyd. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. The other day, I was going for a surf with uh, my friends, Andrew Flaxman and his brother Chris, which we do a lot. Um, We do have jobs, but we somehow are blessed to be able to surf a lot. Um, And I was going down the track, and I saw, I could hear these people doing sprints, because we love to surf crackneck, don't we, Evan? Um, And to get down there, you've got to go down this steep driveway and Cut a long story short, you could hear these people running up and down, up and down, like getting super fit. I used to run that driveway when I used to be super fit. That was, they were good days. And um, I could hear, and I was like, okay, and I, I went, we were going down to surf, and um, we walked past the runners, and this girl was incredibly anorexic. It was so, um, so hard to look at actually. It was like grossly anorexic, and she is putting it in. She is doing the cardio, and she's just melting, melting away. And I was, it was such a shame, because I could actually see that um, in the shrunken face, I could see that she'd, she'd act, she's actually a really beautiful girl if she um, had a more healthier weight on her. Um, oh, it was crazy. Um, and you know when you watch those music contest shows, um, those ones where it's like Australian Idol or X Factor or The Voice, I don't even know. I, I just, I cannot watch those shows. They're not for me. But that's cool. If it floats your boat, that's, that's great. Um, but anyway, I, had, I have seen some of it before and it's one of my guilty pleasures to watch this one sort of part. I don't know why, but you know how we like to watch things that just aren't good? But um, you get those singers on there, and they're like, I got this. I'm gonna, and they're like thinking, I'm going to be the next Australian Idol. And they get up there, and it just sounds worse than getting a balloon and like squeaking that balloon. Does anyone hate that sound? I hate that sound. I want to punch balloon. If a balloon had a face and I, I want to punch that balloon, I hate that sound. For some people, it might be chalk on uh, fingers down chalkboards, I don't know. But they get up there and they sing it and the judges go, oh, wow, stop, please. Please stop. Do us all a favor and never do that again. Please. And they walk off and they're like, these guys have got no idea. Like, my mum's been telling me I'm this red-hot singer my whole life, and I'm pretty sure I am. And they really do believe it. Can you believe it? But the point is with both of those um, scenarios is that their self-perception is so off. It's so far from being true. And isn't it amazing how um, perception 
greatly, um, <laughs> if you've got the wrong perception about you, you can be really, really struggling. Perception is so important, and it's so important how it, it, it relates to how we see ourselves and how we see God. So if our perception of ourselves and our perception of God is off, we can actually almost be that anorexic girl spiritually, or we can almost be that clown with the voice. We can almost look like that. It's true. And when we're coming around this theme, forget not all his benefits, uh, the last preach I did, I talked about gratitude being the the building block of receiving these benefits, Uh, because I really believe that, and I love the Psalm 103, um, and those, those verses, and you see that he's He's wrestling with his soul like Pastor Phil preached on this morning. He's wrestling to get into a position of gratitude to actually be able to see these gifts. To, 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 they, they become more, they have more worth. They have more meaning. You get to experience them from that place of gratitude. But perception is also so important to receive his benefits because how we perceive ourselves and how we perceive God greatly impacts our ability to receive these benefits. It's not that we're, they're not, it's not that because of our skewed perception that God holds them back. Please hear me out. God's like this with all of his benefits to all of us at all times. But when we perceive ourselves and, and when we perceive God all off, it, it's sort of like we don't know where to grab or it's like we... We can't actually see them, perception and seeing. Yeah. So we're going to come around a, um, a famous tale of two sons tonight. Um, it's a good parable, and we're just going to have a look at it. We're going to check out some classic perceptions, um, and we're going to go through it and see what God does. So... It's going to take a bit of Bible reading, so if you've got one, please come with me to Luke. Great name. Uh, 15. Oh, 11. And we're going to go through it. Okay, Jesus continued. He's telling all these cool stories to the disciples. Um, I love telling stories because Jesus did it. <laughs> it's really cool. I like the whole idea of parables. I want to become a parable master one day. So, um, I want to, I like it. I think storytelling is cool. Uh, Anyway, that's just a side note. Um, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. (laughs) So he divided his property between them. Wow. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Now, what we have to understand, we're going to have a look at this story through the eyes of first century Jewish people, which is really cool to do when you read the Bible. It's a really cool thing to get in touch with the culture. For a son... Not even the elder son, the younger son, for even, like, come on, for the younger son to come up to dad and say, give me my inheritance. 
is pretty much like saying, oh, hey, Dad, um, I pretty much wish you were dead. Uh, I do not value your relationship at all. I just want all that good stuff, and I'm going to go now. Cool? Yeah, is that cool? And it was so, that, that right there is one of the most insulting things that you could ever do to the dad of the household. Hey, dad, I'm out of here. Give me everything. I'm out. And it was, it was a tricky process. You had to divide land up, sell it. Yeah, it. But how crazy is he? Anyway, the dad's just like, oh, okay, cool. And he just did it. <laughs> he did it. That's gracious in itself. Like, if most of the dads in the first century Jewish customs would have went, what, bend over, you're crazy, and would have beat him down. Seriously, that is just insulting. But anyway, (sighs) hey, God, I want you to bless me, but hey, I want to do what I want to do and don't really have time for a relationship with you. But yeah, just bless me anyway. Is that okay? Yeah. It's kind of like that. Um, And this comes from a very self-absorbed perception. It comes from a really elevated perception of of ourselves. So straight away, there's a perception that's like, um, (laughs) it's out there. But how many times have we done that? Everyone here has done that. Sorry, but you have. Well, my money's on it, at least. You might not have, but mate, the odds are stacked in my favor that we, that we have. Um, yeah, we've all done it. Hey, God, like, it's cool. Don't really want to have too much time, too much to do with you, but can you just bless me? I'm going to do what I want. Um, anyway, moving on. 14, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. There's a few things worth worth mentioning here, okay? Uh, We're going to stop here and have a look at a few things. Um. So he's gone out, he's, can I just say as well, if you really want to get into this parable, there's so much more than what I'm going to tell you tonight. There's so much information packed into this imagery, you could spend probably three sermons on it, it's incredible. But, um, so what we see is, he's, he's realized something, and then, oh my gosh, and I've got to go back, I've got to go back to, the, to my father. But he goes back after screwing up, he goes back thinking like a slave. He talks about he, he wants to go back and um, he's saying, if I go back as a servant, then I'll be, that'll be enough, I'll, that'll be sweet. 
And so some of us, when we have these struggles in life and we, we go off and do that thing that we <laughs> talked about at the start, and we blow it, we make stupid decisions, we sin, and we just be a classical goose, uh, you know. And what happens is when we come back to the Father, by the way, the Father in this represents God, <laughs> in case anyone didn't know. I'm pretty sure everyone did know, but the Father represents God. Jesus is actually painting this picture of, of who God is through the story. And so, um, where were we? He's, he's blown it. And how many times in life do we blow it and we come back to God with a bit of a slave mentality? Let me, let, let's just have a think about something. Slaves essentially have to work to get anything from the father, the patriarch of the household. Nothing is free. And it's all has to be earned. Yeah. I think sometimes we do that. We come back after we've stuffed up with a real slave mentality. And you see it on people. They come back to God and it's like, oh, God, I've blown it. But don't worry. Don't worry. And they forget to, to get the right perception because their perception is still in this slave mentality and they're still in this works mentality they put all their focus on not doing the thing that they struggled with. The perception's not, it hasn't been corrected. The perception is slave mentality, works mentality. Okay, I'm back, God, but I'll, I'll show you, I'll never do this thing again. And that's where they're looking. It's, it's, a, it's a bad perception to have that slave perception. Now, the other thing worth mentioning here, which is this guy had courage to do this, right? This son had a lot of courage to go back home because what would generally happen in the culture of the time, if the son was to do this, there were severe consequences to take all the money, to go and squander it in Gentile uh, country and come back. What would generally happen is this thing called Can everyone say it with me? Kazaza. It's a cool word, eh? <laughs> oh, you, you wait till you get back. You're going to get Kazaza. So the deal with Kazaza is this cultural ceremony that would take place if the doofus decided he'd come back and try and make his way back into the house. And all the disciples listening to this would have thought this was coming too. This was how it rolled back then. What would happen is the community would come out. They'd have a large pot. I don't know why still. I haven't really looked into that. But they'd have this large pot. He'd come in and they'd smash the pot. Generally, some slapping would go on and some yelling would go on as well to the guy's face. Uh, it's really bad, and they, they would say something really uh, brutal, and I'll just read to you what they would say, yelling at him, all of them, you are now cut off from your people. The community would totally reject him. That's it. You're done, mate. That was the price for committing such a crime, taking all the inheritance, going, blowing it all in the Gentile uh, land, and... and that was it, mate. You are done, right? 
pretty crazy, isn't it? And it's such a primal, like this instinctive thing that when we stuff it, we, we know there's a consequence. We know there's, there's punishment coming. Um, our sins deserve punishment. It's true. And sometimes when we've done this, we can find ourselves thinking, oh, we've blown it, oh, I've got to come back, but there's all this punishment awaiting me. Uh, oh, and it takes courage to come back. So, um, yeah, especially when you're in this mindset. And we think we come back and we think all the lightning's going to come out and we're going to get our butts kicked and it's going to be horrible. Well, the Bible's pretty clear about sin, right? It says that sins deserve punishment. The Bible says that all fall short of perfection and that we all sin at some point. According to the Bible, the wages of sin is death. So it's, it, 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 there's these consequences, right? But let's pick it up. Let's read again. Let's not get too depressed. Okay, let's, let's have a look. Let's have a look at what happens. So there's the, all these perceptions. We're seeing these perceptions, slave mentality, uh, egotistical mentalities, all these, all these perceptions of ourselves. Um, and there's this perception that the disciples would be having of the Father, that the Father's just going to bring the rain, the community's going to break a pot for some obscure reason, and they're going to send him out. So they've got this perception of God, but what happens? Okay, let's pick it up. But... While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. Filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. That is just, to the disciples, they would have went, we're going to get Kazaza. What are you talking about? And the other reason why the disciples would have went, what? Is because running was not done by a man. If a man was to run in first century Jewish custom, it would be an incredibly, it's, it's, it's so, so shameful for a man to run because he's got to pick up his tunic, bare his legs, and it's just this Cultural, it's undignifying. It's terrible. It's a terrible, terrible thing. It's, it's shameful to run for a man. So the first thing they're going, no, Kazazar. And the next minute they're going, he's running. What is going on here? And the Greek word um, for kiss that they use here, they, they, they translate it from the, anyway, they put it into Greek. It's cataphilio, which means to kiss again and again and again and again. So he got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Over and over again. God is always searching for his people. And the second 
he sees us taking a step towards him, he runs to us with open arms, ready to lavish his love upon us over and over and over and over again. So cool, isn't it? The disciples would have had a perception that the Father would punish, yet we see the opposite. The Father actually spares the shame of the Son, because as I was such a shaming, the Father actually spares the shame of the Son by shaming himself, by running to him before the normal Kazazar justice reached him. He was far off, so he wanted to make sure he'd get there before the village came out and Kazazard him. Powerful, isn't it? The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf. The fattened calf. Yeah. And kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. You would have that voice, don't you reckon? For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. That's so cool. A fattened calf, right, is way too much food for one family in those days. A fattened calf just wasn't eaten by one family. A fattened calf was killed and prepared to have a feast with the village. And God wanted the village, oh, Father, yeah, the, God, the Father, they all blur into one in this parable. Um, yeah, they're the same. The Father wants the village to know that my son is back. He slaps a, a robe on, the, like a family robe, a ring, so he could do business for, the, for his father. He, he had everything given back to him and restored, and he had access to all the benefits of the father. Like that. Like that. It's crazy, isn't it? It's very, very crazy. You see here, he's saying, oh, I've sinned. Uh, I'm not longer worthy to be your son. But the dad does too much, too much to him. It breaks him. Some scholars believe that um, he was actually coming back to try and trick, but that's a whole other thing. And, but they believe that when he saw the father and just got kissed over and over and over and over again, it broke him. And he actually received sonship again. Um, powerful. But um, so, yeah. So they began to celebrate. Isn't, I just love that perception. God, you know, so many times we perceive God as this guy that just wants to kick our bottoms. But here he is just doing the complete opposite. And he is shocked. Let me say this, guys. He has shocked people over and over and over again for thousands of years at how ridiculously overwhelmingly generous his love is. Anyway, we've got to move through. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. 
So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. This is actually very illuminating to the last self-perception that we have as Christians. As Christians, we can develop, again, this kind of attitude. So this guy... He's like, I'm always doing stuff, God. I'm always doing stuff. Hey, I'm doing stuff. And you never even gave me a goat. And a goat is nowhere near like the calf, the fattened calf. The goat is this weedy, not much meat on it. It's nowhere. Who's eating goat? Unless you slow cook that with a delicious gravy, forget about it. It's not good. It's not good. And so his his perception of what a blessing is of his father is a goat. That's, That's how his perception is just so off. And don't you, how many times do we see people, um, and if we were to be honest, we'd probably see ourselves at this, we're still living in this slave mentality. This He believes that he's got to earn God's, uh, the father's favor to get a fattened calf. He thinks he's got to earn it. He's, he's slaved away for years. He's never done anything wrong. That's his mentality. He doesn't realize something. He doesn't realize something. The son, this one, still thinks that the benefits of the father have to be earned. So, what does Jesus get the father figure to say here? Oh, this is the, I love this. What does Jesus get the father figure to say here? And this is the perception of the story that I think a lot of us struggle with, right? What does Jesus get the father figure to say here? My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. Until we realize that we're sons and daughters, we won't get that. The moment you realize you're a son and a daughter, if this guy, this elder son, realized who he was to his father, he could have had a million fattened calves. He never never reached out and took it. He never reached out and laid hold of it. He never was in a good enough relationship with the father. His relationship was so skewed by perception that he didn't even talk to the father about doing it. Terrible. But we all have it, and I I just love this. And this is what I want us to just meditate on, especially whilst we're on forget not all his benefits. You are always with him. You, everyone here, you are always with him. And everything he has is yours. Everything he has is yours. Thank you, Lord. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because 
this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now found. Thank you, Lord. Why don't we just stand up? I would love to have uh, Lisa just pop up and play the keys, please. And if we could all just stand up, that'd be good. We're going to finish the service here. And we're just going to do some time in prayer um, and maybe just have a time of um, reflection. Have a look at how we look at ourselves and how we look at God and see if God does something pretty cool, which I think he will. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your amazing love that you've shocked people with for millennia. You've shocked people with, Lord. This crazy love, this crazy, 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 crazy love. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Forget not his benefits. Forget not who God is and how he sees you. If you live like the older son doing everything for God out of a slave mentality, you will miss all of the beautiful relationship and benefits that come from being a son or a daughter. Forget not all his benefits. As humans, what are our chief needs? What are our chief needs? What are some of the top benefits? Psalms, the, the psalm that we've been using, it's been the theme of this. Uh, it's Psalm 103. And I, I mentioned last time that Psalm 103, uh, it's this sister psalm with the one after it, 104. And all of the nature of the Godhead is, is, is found in these two chapters. And Psalm 103, Psalm 104 has the creator figure, the father figure. And it also has God the Spirit. And 103 is God the Savior. And you can see the nature of God the Savior there. And what are, what are these benefits? What do we at most need? Where, what do we most need? And in 103, 2 to 5, we find the answers. And I'm not going to go through it. I'll just quickly read this. He shows us our chief needs, that they are forgiveness healing, redemption, love, compassion, satisfaction, grace, and strength. All these things are are made available through the good work of Jesus Christ, the Savior. Thank you, Jesus Christ, for saving us. Thank you, Jesus Christ, for the work you did on the cross to make all these benefits available to us at all times. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you love me, that I am your child. Lord God, we're your children. We are not slaves. Lady, man, uh, girl, boy, listen to me. You are not a slave. You are a son. You are a daughter. You are always with God and everything he has is yours. Everything he has is yours. What, all those things? Yeah, and more. And more. So much more. 
Father God, I pray that tonight we would just absolutely lay down all false perceptions that we have of ourselves or of you. And God, would you make yourself known to us afresh tonight? Thank you that your presence is here, right here, right now. Thank you, God, that you're remolding how we view ourselves. We are not a slave. It doesn't matter what we do. We're your son. We're your daughter. You have you have everything made accessible to you through the good work of Jesus Christ. May we never lose the wonder of the cross. May we never lose the wonder of the cross. Forget not his benefits, church. Let us never take them for granted. Let us always be in a place of gratitude so that we can actually experience these benefits. May we never get too cocky, too proud, too self-absorbed that we'd throw it away and, and not realize the beauty, the power, the most, all of the richness of what you did for us on the cross. Help us to see things more clearly, Lord. May we perceive ourselves as sons and daughters. May we see you as the loving Father, as the loving Father that runs out to us, that ran to us, threw your arms around us and kissed us over and over and over again. When we deserve to be kazazad, Lord, you came and you loved us. You took our shame. You took our shame and you bore your own shame and lavished your love upon us over and over again. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You're awesome in this place. You are awesome in this place. If you're here tonight and you've never had uh, this relationship that I've talked about tonight, this, this relationship where all these benefits are found. If you're here tonight and you don't have a relationship with God, the Father, the one that is just waiting, the moment you take a step towards Him, He's going to run to you and pour out His love upon you. If you're that person that has never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, you do not have a relationship with God with God. I want to encourage you right now to, to say a prayer with me. To say a prayer. It's just a simple prayer, an extremely simple prayer that everyone in this building that is a Christian has prayed. It's really simple. Not very smart people like me can say it, so I think you'll be right. If that is you, I'd love you to lift your hand. I'd love to go through that prayer with you tonight. If you want to receive a relationship with the Father, please lift your hand. I would love to pray with you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And if you're here tonight and you feel like, oh, yeah, I've had some pretty whack perceptions of myself and of God, and, and maybe some of those perceptions haven't been touched on tonight. You might have your own unique perception that you're, you're seeing yourself through or you're seeing God through. Why don't you come out tonight? Let's break that perception off your life 
and let's get the God perception for who you are and who he is. And if that's you, I'd love to encourage you to come out. We'll go go through a prayer. That'd be awesome. Thank you, God. So if that's you, please come forward, please. And if there is um, no one that wants to come forward tonight, let me encourage all of us that we don't overlook these things, that we never find ourselves slipping back into false perceptions. May we fix our eyes on Christ. He's good. He's so good. He's surprisingly good. He's surprisingly good. Thank you, church. Thank you, church. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon. Selfless faith to live like Christ for all.